I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to a special episode of The Nero Show featuring Head of Engineering at Tool Magazine, Robert Kernan. Robert's been performing objective scientific testing on bikes for over two decades. And today we want to find out all about that testing, how they do it, what bikes perform best in those tests, and where he sees both the industry and the magazine headed. We're going to start with just a little bit of story time on how I was introduced to Tool Magazine. This this has been a complete adventure for me. So the way you were introduced to me anyway, was anytime Jesse and I would talk about a bike, its performance, maybe we would be sitting here and comparing them to each other, the show would go live and I would get half a dozen to a dozen Instagram messages from people after the show and they would look all like this. They would they would be a screenshot of this list of bikes <laughs> with numbers next to them and there was – there was kind of a ranking system and they were sometimes alluded to the bike that I'd talked about and the comment was always the same. It was like, Tool Magazine, I've already worked this out, Chris, seriously. <laughs> and it was like, come on, come on. And so this was like, I'm like, what is this thing? Yeah. Tell me more about it. So could you potentially go just a little bit into maybe Tool Magazine for the for the Chris Millers who hasn't been receiving these DMs for the last 12 months? Yeah, it goes back to the, I think, to the 80s. Um Hans-Christian Smolik, my predecessor at the Tour Magazine, he introduced the cycling magazine world to objective testing methods. And that's, this goes back to the 80s. So he made the first stiffness rigs and also worked with universities and came up with, with, with interesting stuff. And we, we developed from there and uh, our goal was always to have objective testing uh, in place. So, I mean, we are all riders. We love to ride our bicycles, of course. But uh, we want to have an objective scoring system. So this is this is the base of, of everything. And uh, aerodynamic is one part, but but we also do a lot of other testing. Let's let's get into the some of the testing then. Just first off, first question I have is how do you decide what bikes to test? How do you how do you get the bikes? What is that? Is there a process there? First step is to make an editorial choice. What is an interesting story? So if, if there's a new bike popping up, that's usually not enough for, to have a story. Uh, I mean, if it's a, fa- a really famous brand and there are, uh, a bike everyone is, everyone is waiting for, then we do a single test. But usually we do comparison tests. We bundle uh, bikes with some kind of bracket, uh, bikes from Italy, uh, cheap ones again, expensive ones, uh, aero bikes, the lightweight bikes, whatever you can think of. So it's an editorial choice. And then we asked uh, the manufacturers to send in the bikes. And uh, 
we get them for free. We, we test the bikes and send them back. That's a process. So let's, I'm really curious about this actual testing process. How is this testing done? Because it's all well and good to say uh, the aero drag of, uh, of the bike and the frame, but I, I'm really curious to, to go into the details on how, yeah, how you're running these bikes through the gauntlet. So yeah, what, what is the testing that you, you do? From, from, let's start off with aerodynamics. What's the testing process? The aero testing. Aero testing is performed at the GST wind tunnel. That's a privately owned wind tunnel at the Airbus facility in uh, Immenstadt at southern Germany. And uh, we have a relationship with this tunnel since 10 years. Uh, before that, we went to a tunnel in, in Dresden, eastern Germany. And the GST tunnel is, yeah, this is the best tunnel I've seen so far. And we have developed a process together, which is uh, quite nice. So the, the, the usual process is we set up the bike in the wind tunnel and we have, I've made a special dummy, a moving leg dummy, a dummy without upper torso. Uh, we got rid of the upper torso because it's a source of error. You introduce a lot of, of wind resistance with the upper body, but there's not so much interaction between upper body and the bike. So it's, it's an error source from an engineering point of view, the upper body. And I wanted to get rid of this failure uh, before that, I had a full, full, full body dummy, but without moving legs. So the ne next step was moving legs, but no torso. <laughs> uh, looks a bit strange, and we get a lot of, of questions from the readers, but from a technical point of view, it makes sense. And we have these moving legs, and they introduce all possible leg positions during the measurement. And this is, this is a key to get the right interaction between the legs, the rider, and the bike. To have all these different leg positions in your measurement. It's not about the speed of the, the legs, it's about the moving not that fast. It's about the interaction in all these different positions. And to be fair, you, you need to have all these positions in your measurements. And the cool thing about the GST run is we measure, we do 41 measurements in one sweep. So we do a sweep from minus 20 to plus 20, 20 degrees yaw. So we introduce side winds. And this is a continuous measurement. So we take these 41 measurement points in one run. It takes only one and a half minutes. And then we have the complete information about the bike and its behavior in all these different wind conditions. And so, yeah, when you talk about um, normalizing the position of the legs uh, in the, on the model, is that, so, do you mean kind of like position over the bottom bracket, uh, that sort of thing, the riding position, ankle position? In fact, we spent most of the time in the tunnel adjusting the dummy. Okay. <laughs> it takes a lot of time. Um, we have I've made special laser rigs from the side and from the front to ensure that we have always absolutely the same position. And we have a reference bike. We start each measurement with a reference bike. And so we can refer it with, with, with the last run and the run before and so on. And this gives us as an, as an idea how good our measurement is set up on this day. So the, the dummies on the um, reference bike... And that's positioned with the lasers from the side and the front. And then you swap the bike over and get the dummy in the exact same position. Right. Um, right. Okay. Interesting. So we spent really a lot of time and this was all a learning curve. It's uh, the dummy introduces more resistance than the bike itself. There's a sort of buzzword going around a bit at the moment, which is this, this turbulent air thing. Um, obviously, and I'm sure you've, you've heard it referred to as... <laughs> 
yeah, just the, the reality or trying to mimic the conditions as much as possible of being outside. Yeah. So with with your wind tunnel and uh, you mentioned the your angles and that sort of thing, do you think that that is, a, that is potentially a factor where the, the wind tunnel is not capable of taking that into account or do you think that turbulent air is bullshit and we shouldn't even be considering it in the first place? Like would you have a take on that? Yeah, sure. The wind tunnel is good, but yeah, turbulent air uh, would be would be better. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can always improve, but I mean, we already achieved a really high standard, and uh, yeah, turbulent air definitely definitely happens outside. So uh, this would be a nice additional information. When I've sort of looked back at some of the testing, there's reference to the the standardized wheels that you I think you maybe used to use the zip. Was it Zip 404s that you used we, to we use? We still use them, Zip 404. Okay. And and now, so um, you used to test with, so this, the Zip 404 and then the wheels that came stock on the bike. Now you're just testing the stock build as, as it comes from the manufacturer. Is that right? No, that's not right. We still test with the Zip 404s. Sometimes we miss to publish the values. Yeah, that, that really happened. <laughs> but we every test is run with, with Zip 404s as well. To, uh, to get an idea how good the bike could perform. But the scoring is done with, 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 with the wheels coming with the bike. Yeah, yeah. so, so the, the aero drag number that I've seen in some of the, like the cutouts from the magazine, that's with the stock wheels that come. Oh. All right. Okay. Can we talk about the fastest bikes that you've tested? Yeah, sure. Uh, the fastest bike so far was uh, Simplon Pride 2. You saw that one the other day, Chris. Someone brought that up. Yeah, I, I, I was so. I actually wanted to talk about it on the on the show. I, to be to be all completely honest, Robert, I had never heard of this brand. Like, I, I, I'm coming off in this. I'm coming off in this show as, as someone who's no idea about cycling. <laughs> but um, yeah, it again, it was someone on on Instagram who forwarded this on to me and, and was like, "Hey, check this out. Like, this thing's blowing blowing the water out." And I suppose my question in relation to that is. Can you look at a, a bike like the Pride 2 from from your perspective with your experience and say, oh, that's going to be a fast bike? Like, can you see the aero? Can you see the aero in that frame? Yeah, we, we, we had our learning curve. I, I think the, we, we can tell it now, yeah, more or less. Would you be able to p- potentially talk me like I'm looking at that frame now? So, is there, are we, are we talking about that massive head tube? Like, what what can you can you maybe point to a few factors in that frame that that you go oh yes this is going to be fast yeah the, this frame has deep profiles a small silhouette and it's 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 really clean huh? that's that that's it i mean it's not uh, that mysterious i think simplon was was pretty fast and adopting to the new uh, uci rules they were the first to move uh, to these super deep profiles after the three to one rule was uh, skipped, and this is the main reason why they why why they are leading the list right now. And of course, I mean this this uh, did not came out of the blue. Uh, the the aero development was done by Swissite. Swissite is the aerodynamic company, which also uh, is responsible for the DT products for the aerodynamic design of DT and they have a background in Formula One, Formula One racing. So no surprises here. And um, yeah, if you look at these super fast bikes, I mean, it's quite similar to, to an S5, the, the, whole, the whole principle. Is there a bike 
that you've tested relatively recently that you you looked at when it came in and went, okay, this is going to be pretty fast, and then you put it into the tunnel and the results weren't there? We have funny. We have had funny things. We had another German brand, Stevens. You might have known of them yep. as yeah, well. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, I've heard that. And they 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 are more famous for cross bikes. But they came in with with a new bike, an aero bike, and and we knew that this bike has never seen a tunnel before. So they they did all the development based on CFD, on simulations, and yep. this turned out to be quite good. I think we we landed at two hundred seven watts, something like that, or two hundred eight. And not too bad for a bike which have which hasn't seen a wind tunnel. Uh, it went to a wind tunnel the first time with True Magazine <laughs> and uh, performed well. Aero by visual design in a computer somewhere. Interesting. Well, I mean, C- CFD CFD is, is is can be a serious tool. I'm curious about the the builds because as you as you kind of mentioned there between the Simplon and the Cervelo, the the Drag differences in watts between a lot of these top bikes now are, are quite small. What sort of difference have you seen in terms of little tweaks with the components? For example, the Specialized Tarmac SL7 versus the SL8, which I think in your testing, they were pretty much the same. There was a couple of watts possibly, but the SL8 comes with the integrated aero handlebar. Um, is that, I mean... And then, for ex- uh, if I'm comparing another bike, uh, the the Canyon Aeroad comes stock with the 60 mil DT Swiss wheels. Like in terms of the package, is is there if you add how many watts are we looking at between different stock builds? Because if we you know if you're splitting hairs between sort of two and three watts between bikes as a consumer, but there might be a handlebar difference that could make up that gap. Yeah, the difference but differences between the good wheels are not that big to nowadays. We're talking about two or three watts. That's it. The tire makes a difference. There are there are very well performing tires in the wind tunnel, and there are there are bad tires. So the tire choice is in fact a, a, a rather big thing. Uh, if if you have a not 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 performing tire, then you will st- stall early. Uh, so uh, at, at higher yaw angles, the tire becomes it's a leading edge of the wheel, and so it's an important part of the of the whole profile. And the aero performance of the wheel totally depends on the tire. In the magazine, the reviews that are written about the bikes, including the testing data, so say Canyon Aero scored two hundred and three watts in in the um, in the drag. But my my. Who writes those reviews? Is it is it, it? Do you write those, or does there someone from the magazine side write them? It it, it depends. Sometimes I write the review, but we have uh, we have a test crew, and usually the guys who are to do the writing, so, so oh, there we go. who spend the time on the road with the bike, they do the okay. they they do the writing too. Okay. So yeah, one of the I guess what you would say is kind of. Con- the contextualization of the the data that you're giving or the interpretation of it is that between two spec um, builds of bikes, it, one might come with 25 mil tires, and another one might come with 28 mil tires. So the one with 25s tests faster, maybe by a couple of watts because the front tire is narrower. But then in the review, the magazine says, "Well, this bike is faster because it tested 204 watts versus 206." But there's kind of another level of uh, well, why is that? Well, that came spec with a narrower front tire, which could provide those aero savings. Now, 
yeah, you're testing the bikes. It's maybe not your job to do that. Um, do do they attempt to make those kind of explanations in the reviews of the data? When we have the space, and then we do these explanations. Yeah, sure. I think it's yeah, it is pretty important, especially um, you know if you compare the SL7 to the SL8, and the aero drags from the from the frame appears to be the same. It's just that one has an aerodynamic handlebar, so it tests faster. Is it too early to, to dive dive just a little bit into the, the disc rim stuff, just in terms of whether we saw a difference when, when disc came in? When disc came in, there was a difference, yeah. I mean, you introduce another another piece of, 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 of material and you can't get rid of the disc, so the disc introduces some more drag, that's true. And uh, right in the beginning, we had two or three watts more. But then things uh, started to develop and you can really hide the calipers quite well. And uh, now there's no big difference anymore. So it's, it's more or less equal now. We asked you about the bikes that were perhaps look fast. And was there any that tested slow? And your answer is kind of no. <laughs> if they look aero and have deep tubes, they're probably going to test quite well. Are there any, on the other side of that, are there any bikes that surprised you and how fast they tested given how they looked when they came in for testing? Yeah, the most surprising might be the Specialized Tarmac. The SL8 uh, latest version, yeah. yeah, yeah, tested quite well given how uh, sort of thin the tubes look, especially in the back end. Yeah, this this bike is quite fast for the for the for the uh, for for its overall design. Do you have do you have an opinion on that? Because it's interesting. Like I look at that SL8 as a just a layman cyclist, and it looks you know very similar to something like a Giant Propel, the new Giant Propel, um, but. You know, you're you're right. They're like in in your your testing, the the SL8's done quite well. Is is there? Do you have a theory on that? Is there is there any anything you can think that might be might be causing it? I think they just have done a brilliant job. They just focused on things which matter, obviously, in terms of aerodynamic. And uh, I think the overall package is is pretty good. Yeah, what they've done there. We done we've done uh, test rides last week in Italy, and I I, I could join the crew for this test. And I was riding the SL8 in, uh, on downhill stretches, and uh, the difference to, to other bikes is, is quite amazing in terms of stiffness. And uh, so the overall package, uh, lightweight, uh, high, really high stiffness, and quite good aerodynamics, that's, uh, that's a winner in my, in my eyes. Yeah. Just in terms of the, um, the data that's collected, how do you find it compares year to year so if, if if a bike tested at 205 watts this year for example is that comparable to testing you might have done three years ago is that how are the wind tunnels accurate enough year on year to to have that comparison yes okay that's really impressive to matt yeah that, that's managed to do that it's always uh, you have more precision when you compare within one run so within one day our, our measurement precision is better than when you compare a measurement from from two years uh, ago but it's still quite good. I would say it's plus minus one watt if you look at the data from two years ago. And it's rather plus minus 0.3 watts if you are within one session. Pretty impressive, given how much is uh, moving around and going on in those tests. Yeah, that's crazy stuff. That's absolutely crazy. And this is why I like the GST tunnel. It's, it's, it's so good. Another question in terms of the aerodynamics of, of these bikes are there any common features? What are the main common features that you've seen between the top performing bikes? And there, are there any brands you can think of that aren't using those features that it, it kind of confuses you why they aren't taking advantage of that? 
Well, arrow benefit means uh, a low frontal area, so a small silhouette, um, deep profiles, especially, especially the head tube and the fork legs, and then dropped seat stays, an arrow seat post, which hasn't to be super deep, I think. Um, these are the main features. It's quite simple. But uh, when you create the bike, I mean, how, how, how do you make the transition between these tubes? I think this is a tricky part. And um, But overall, the equation is, 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 is pretty clear. So, I mean, uh, Stevens is a good example. They just uh, copy and pasted the, the, the process and made their CFD stuff and came up with a pretty good result. So, What's the model of that bike? Akalis. That is, okay, so the Stevens. Akalis. Stevens Akalis. Okay, interesting. 207 watts. 207. Uh, okay. watts. So what were the, can I ask in terms of 2023, what were the, the, the top five in, in the tunnel? Seems to be the Scott Foil RC Ultimate with synchros wheel 60 millimeter deep. That was uh, 203. And the Stevens was 207. Seven. Yeah. I guess it's, I'm going to say, what's the, di what's the difference when you're going to say, well, the difference is four watts. But um, is if in your experience, sort of probably riding some of these bikes, is that a significant difference? I mean, is four watts in your testing is is that a lot? Is that negligible? Sort of. No, no, you okay. won't feel it. If we're look, if you're looking between two bikes, how many watts difference in your testing would you say is 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 going to be noticeable for for someone race? Yeah, for someone racing at a kind of of a club level. Oh, and then I think 10 watts, 10 watts and more, you will notice. I mean, the, the real differences are between these aero bikes and non-aero bikes. And we're talking about 20 watts or 30 watts. And that's for sure uh, noticeable, yeah. It's good to know. Yeah, because it can get quite overwhelming when you're comparing the results. And I mean, you need to take into account the, these, these single watt numbers. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, of maths involved to get one single mass num uh, watt number out of 41 measurements. Uh, you need to to to, to check the uh, the graphs to be sure what 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 you're comparing in which situation, because uh, if you if you're going really fast, and if there's no wind, no ambient wind, then we're talking about uh, this, the flow at zero degrees. So you should compare these bikes now at zero degrees to get an idea how they perform in this situation. In our normal uh, procedure, we, we calculate with 10k per hour ambient wind, which is quite a lot. We won't see that much here in Bavaria. And uh, so the single number has to be taken uh, yeah, with, 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 with this uh, information in. Could you ex explain that? So the, the, the wattage number overall that, is, that the Tour Magazine gives is, is that, what did you say? That is factoring in a 10 kilometer an hour Ambient wind, yeah, because we, we introduce side winds and you only see a side wind as a cyclist when there's some ambient wind going on. Otherwise, you won't see flow from the side. And we have a, we have a weighting function, so we, we, we process the data and calculate with 10 k's per hour ambient wind. And then we have a weighting function which... Uh, which uh, processes all these these measurements we've taken the 41 and 
measurements taken at, at uh, zero degrees or at, at lower uh, your angles are more and more important in this equation than uh, flow with, with coming at 20 degrees. And depending on, 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 on the ambient wind you're calculating with, you will see different uh, overall results. So if, if we look at less ambient wind, <clears throat> then we will get a different profile and a different weighting function and a different result. I'd, uh, I wish I had more <laughs> um, knowledge to, to dig into that. I think, uh, yeah, it's got ex the, you're at the limit of my uh, aerodynamic expertise <laughs> there. Um, we, we take into account the sailing effect when, you, when we introduce sidewinds. And the whole thing developed uh, because in, in Kona during the Hawaii Marathon uh, triathlon, they, they see a lot of side wind. That's where the whole discussion with your angles came popped up. up. And these guys really see a lot of side wind because uh, there's a lot of wind on, on Hawaii. And when you ride here in Bavaria, there's not that much wind. And um, so you're more into... into um, uh, it's more a kind of laminar flow when, when you go here and lost less side winds. And um, then you don't talk about that much about the sailing effect and the yaw angle is not that much important anymore. And um, this is a different measurement then. We, we, we do this measurement, we do all these measurements in, in, in the one run, but the question is how do you, how do you handle the, uh, uh, the, the results? And if you look, if you're interested in, in zero uh, ambient wind, then you look at uh, the, the drag numbers at uh, zero degrees. And in, in the best of all, uh, of, all, of all worlds, we would print also the graphs which eat with each bike. And then, then you could compare the drag numbers at zero degrees and could compare the drag numbers at 10 degrees and so on. And we just put it together to one single drag number, the watts <clears throat> we are presenting. But this is for a certain wind profile that makes that yeah that makes sense so it's it's the bike speed is at 40k an hour but then also a, a 10k an hour wind coming from a, you know, whatever angle your angle you've you've moved it to is that kind of sum that up yeah okay yeah. Uh, just out of i want to move on as well to the stiffness testing and maybe some of the other testing you do but in terms of all that data uh, obviously it gets published by the magazine is there any way that is that do people can people get access to that? Is it something that the magazine would kind of sell a membership to, or is that just kept in house? Uh, right now, it's kept in house, unfortunately. I'm surprised the industry hasn't sort of tried to knock that down and and come in and and have a look at all the the data from like just from a from a bike industry perspective to get get their little grubby mitts onto that. They would be very very happy. Um, which kind of I. Don't know if this is particularly relevant, but it always interests me when it when a when a new bike is launched, etc. And we we all hear the claims from the manufacturers. You know, this is so and so, this is fourteen watts faster than the previous generation. Blah 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 blah. Do, do you do you see these these claims coming out and sort of giggle at them and and fact check them in a, in a sense, or most of the time they're being relatively. Um, honest and upfront about the claims that they're making about their own bikes? Uh, we don't care that much about the marketing talk. We just draw our measurements. Have you ever, is it, do, just out of curiosity, as Chris sort of said, is, is, is there any been a claim that you've seen that you've then looked at your data and gone, 
yeah, that I've got no idea how they got to that conclusion. Anything come to mind? No, not really. I think most of these uh, claims nowadays are, are, are quite are quite quite good and serious and and not too crazy. And I mean, if you use different measurement methods, then you will come up with different results. So, I actually said the same thing, um, Chris, when the SL8 got released. I said actually, if you actually look at the specialized marketing claims and read their white paper, what they say it's doing is actually pretty modest. So I think, um, yeah. In, that, in terms of that specific case, it was... I mean, I, I did some calculations. I, I've, I have a simulation software where I can put in our data. And I did simulations for, for the last Tour de France. <clears throat> this is one thing you can Google on the, on the Tour website. Uh, tour, uh, that I call the tech briefing, Tour de France tech briefing. And the, these ones are in English available with all the uh, associated data. And I did some calculations uh, with these bikes and... Um, well, the overall numbers, uh, how many time you can save, were a bit lower than, than the numbers provided by Specialized. But uh, yeah, the trend was always... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's okay. Should we move on to some of the stiffness testing? Because I know this is another key part of the. The reviews when you're putting out for the bikes also contain stiffness testing. Can you run us through how how that's tested and what area of the bikes you're testing for stiffness? Yeah, we we try to get a complete picture of the bike, how it behaves on the road, and uh, and we do a couple of stiffness tests. So we do <clears throat> we test uh, bottom bracket bottom bracket stiffness. This mimics a uh, um, sprint out of the saddle. Yep. Then we de- test uh, front comfort and rear comfort. Uh, we've just updated the procedure. Front comfort includes uh, fork, uh, handlebar, and stem, and we just put a load on the on the handlebar and measure the deflection. So we get a front stiffness, and we have a rear stiffness. We introduce a load to the seat post, uh, quite high load, and so we have the deflection of the seat post at a certain seat height and the deflection of the seat stays if there's some. And then we have uh, overall stiffness. We call it riding stability. And this one has also been modified right now. And um, there we load uh, the fork and the front part of the frame with the side force coming from the tire. So we, we test the whole stiffness chain. We make a measurement with, uh, with a wheel dummy and a super stiff wheel dummy, introducing a side, side force into the whole construction. And then we have the, the chain the forces flow from the ground to the rider and we take this as as a measurement for the riding stability incredible so is the 
the uh, you mentioned the seat post stiffness test. So is that testing for uh, compliance of the frame as well, or is that only testing the? No, it's it's the overall compliance of the system. So if if the seat stays are flexing, they will flex in this test. And is there? I mean, the the the, the common theme is that a thick aero bike is overly stiff and then a smaller tubed non-aero bike is less stiff D- does that rude sort of claim hold hold true uh, not exactly i mean it, it depends on what type of stiffness you're looking at i mean in in, in a vertical plane and the, an aero bike is stiff that's that's correct. And the first aero bikes were not so nice to ride because there was no compliance at all. But then things developed. Now we have uh, better seats, seat posts, uh, D-shaped seat posts or extreme long seat posts and lower clamping areas. And they, they put a lot of energy in designing aero, aero designs with some compliance built in. And it works. So uh, modern aero bikes, are, they have some kind of built-in compliance they are not too bad and they are nicer to ride than the first tries and the traditional round tube bike uh, that totally depends on the dimensions and the geometry if it's if there's some compliance built in Uh, the the seat post obviously is very important because it's just a single tube and if you have a single tube the diameter is very important and the length to get some deflection and so a a small seat post uh, uh, yeah, small seat post has more deflection than a, than 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 a, a big one. It's a large diameter. So the equation is: uh, you want to have long and slim seat posts, then you have some some comfort. You've probably sort of answered this question though, but I, it, just the same in terms of you look at a bike. Oh, you can you can tell that's going to be fast in the in the aero tunnel. Can you can you look at a bike and potentially name a bike and go? Oh, that's going to be that's going to be overly stiff. Are, are there? Yes, I mean, if you look at uh, at the Klein Quantum Pro, <laughs> then you you can see that this one is really stiff. Huh? I mean, these yeah. big round tubes and plus a, a, a thick round and short uh, seat post that that must be stiff. I I guess we're all under the assumption, at least uh, as far as I'm aware, that sort of. Steve, uh, take us take out the seat post that seat post measurement you were talking about. That stiffer is better. So bottom stiffer bottom brackets pretty clear. Stiffer head tube. If we're looking up marks in the data from the tour magazine, is is higher stiffness always better in those areas? Is there any uh, ex- examples or situations where that's less ideal? When we talk about tarmac and nice pavement, I would say more stiffness is better, yes. And things might change a little bit when you go off-road. I did. I also work for the bike magazine, so I know off-road riding as well. And uh, we did a bl- blind test with prepared mountain bikes in a bike park. And uh, I prepared bikes to have, to, be, to have different stiffness values. So they had a blind test with, with same-looking bikes. And but the stiffness was was manipulated and quite the manipulations were quite big, and they had a hard time to figure out which which one was a stiff one and which one was a weak one, under off-road conditions huh? and lower speeds, and on the road it's quite the opposite. Then it's pretty clear. I mean, if you go fast, I had the experience last week. If you go fast, 
you need just a few hundred meters to, to really feel the difference. Uh, and then uh, more stiffness is better, of course. I don't, I haven't been able to, I don't have many questions about the um, comparing bike stiffness because I struggle to find the stiffness ratings. Um, the aero claims were, were a little easier to find. Ha, I can, we can say that the top level of the aero bikes, the drag is qu- quite similar at the top level of them. What's the difference in stiffness between those top level bikes? Is there, is there a bigger variation in stiffness than there is in aerodynamics, or they're all quite uniform? No, there are differences. Um, uh, the new test, I haven't done so many measurements with the new test, but I can give you numbers for the S5, for instance. So an S5 is, in terms of riding stability stiffness, it's 20% weaker than a Tarmac SLA, for instance. And you can really feel this difference. Is there any other um, bikes that you've run through that latest round of testing that you have the data on hand for? I'm just interested. The SLA, yeah, I mean, we, we limit the value. So uh, our, our limit now is at 9 newton per millimeter and everything above gets the same score. Why is that? So um, why that? I mean, this is always a trick with scoring systems. You need you need to adjust your scale to something. Oh, so you are scored when, when it... Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. We have seen the, the, the highest values we've seen so far around uh, 11. Yeah, 11 okay. was the highest value. You make you have to make a decision. Our 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 feeling was that uh, everything above nine is is quite good. So, but yeah, maybe we adjust the scale at some point. So, if a bike's one's eleven and one's ten, you they're all getting the top mark in the in the sort of the star rating, if I want to say that that you that it's given in the magazine writer. And we also the funny thing, the funny bike was we also rode a Vitus Carbon Nine, a bike made in approximately 1988, one of the first carbon bikes in the Pro Peloton. And this one is so weak; it's it's wobbling all over the place. And we we made we we, we took it with us and just for the fun and for, for comparison and for nice pictures, of course. And this one is it's really amazing that this that the guys rode these bikes at the Tour de France. And uh, you you can't hold the wheel of a really fast racing bike from 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 today. Well, what, do you have the number for that? Was it like two on the stiffness? It was. Uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, okay. it, it comes okay. up at five. <laughs> so half is. I am actually truly blown away by that number that you just gave. That the S five is twenty percent twenty percent less stiff than the SLA. Like if we if we had had that conversation about some of the aero testing and you'd said the SL8 is 20% less aerodynamic than the, the S5, that would be an enormous number. So I, I'm, is, is that a big margin is, is I suppose my, my question. And also on the back of that, the, the rhetoric around um, the S5, the limited experience I've had riding it is it's a pretty stiff aero bike. Like to think that the SL8 is, 20% stiffer than that, it, it blows my mind, actually. Um, and So, yeah, is that a big number? You can feel it. So it's 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 quite noticeable, yeah. But the, the, the riding impression of the, the S5 is, is is a rather harsh bike compared to, to the uh, SL8 uh, in terms of, of vertical uh, elasticity. Do you have those numbers there with the vertical compliance um, numbers between the SL8 and the S5? I don't have the numbers at hand right now, but there's, a, I think there's a big difference, yeah. 
a lot more than 20%, then we're talking about, I think, 100% or even more. So the SL5 is meant to, to, to be ridden on really good roads. That's what, that's what I suppose. Yeah. No, but it's all about the package, Jesse. See, I'm on the... I'm on the 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 thirty the thirty mil tires running sort of fifty five psi. So you you got to take all this sort of actually. Well, that kind of I suppose builds me into the um, another kind of angle I could take this. Jesse again, again tell me to to shut up. But um, in terms of um, when so the bike gets tested by by yourself through stiffness and and then the wind tunnel and then it goes goes out to be ridden outdoors by the the reviewers. Um, are the reviewers aware of the results when they go out and ride the bike or are they just getting the bike and riding it and then it's all put together at the end? It depends on the aura. There's no no clear procedure. Sometimes they have the numbers beforehand, sometimes not. I see what you're getting at there, Chris. If someone's told you the SL8's five out of five stiff and then they go ride and they go, oh, it is pretty stiff, isn't it? <laughs> Well, the handlebar is stiff of the SL5. It's quite stiff, and the rear end is stiff. So the overall impression can be or must be that this is a stiff bike, of of course. Yeah. But when you compare these bikes in a downhill stretch, then you will see different behavior. Have you seen an experience where a bike has you've done the testing, you've done the, the aero testing, etc., and you've got an impression of it, and then it goes out to be reviewed by the the guys riding it. And then they put their element together and the review comes out and they are somewhat split in the sense that maybe the guys writing it are using phrases like, gee, that was, it was, sorry, Jesse, it really held its speed really well outside <laughs> and, and was stiff and fast. And then they combined it with your results and it turns out it's actually a dog of a bike. And it's like the worst aerodynamics you've ever seen. Like there's a total mismatch in terms of what the person outdoor felt compared to the, the reality is is there been any experience of that no no when i see the text then the the guy who's who was riding the bike already got the numbers so they if, if they had the wrong impression they could adjust it are you the only independent uh, sort of body doing this kind of testing i think so yes <clears throat> Well, occasionally there are tests done by other publications, but not on such a high level and not uh, not so continuous. So, I think in the end we are unique. Yeah. So how do we how do we broaden your? We need to broaden your audience beyond the beyond the and German beyond borders and, forums. Uh, and get get <laughs> this out there. Yeah, I would love to do it. I'm. I'm yeah, it's 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 uh, yeah, it's hard to understand how we behave, uh, to be honest. Yeah, but I'm I'm responsible for the technique here, not for. So how do we? I guess the best way to access this data uh, is to is to, what to search to a magazine's website for those of us overseas that can't get access to the magazine. Um, use I guess use the search search function on the site. Currently, yes. Yeah. So if I search for a bike, like if. Um, okay, so you've okay. Here's the article you've written there, the the SL8, and it's got the numbers in there. Okay, two hundred and nine watts. Um, so yeah, with a bit of, I mean, it does take a little bit of work, but for those that have are, are curious, if there's a bike you're interested in and you want to see the numbers, go to a magazine, use the search function, and um, you search through the articles, you should be able to bring up the test data on it. One of the trends that I've started to see a little bit on on the frames are these. Are these wider forks? I think I saw it on the was it the BMC Road Machine R had that very wide fork? Yeah, Stork is doing 
Yeah, there are two strategies: wide fork legs, fork legs, and very very uh, narrow ones, and both work. Both seems to work. Because that that was that's quite a dramatic look from 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 my perspective, anyway. Yeah, I mean, there, there are extreme bikes out there. We, we haven't had it in the wind tunnel, but there was this uh, Hope track bike uh, made in the UK with super wide and super narrow uh, fork legs and also seat stays. They, they, I think they tried to bring the, the fork legs in front of the, of, of the legs of the rider. And same was true for the, for the seat stays. So super, super slim profile and really wide, wide legs. So there's the aero testing, the stiffness testing, which includes compliance. Is that? Is there any other tests that you put the bikes through? Is that it? Uh, no, these are the, yeah. We we test, uh, check the paint and some 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 more details. But overall, what's go, what goes into the scoring is uh, is uh, our score of the components. We do component tests as well from time to time. When the new group set pops up, we we do testing with the group set. So we have a scoring system for the components as well, and these go into the the rating of the bike as well. Yeah. Well, what sort of testing of the group sets? Do, do, do you mean like between like a SRAM Red Axis E Tap and a Shimano Durace? Yeah, we look for a shift quality. We uh, I check the chain wear. I have a machine to test chain wear. We look at uh, shifting speeds. We look at stiffness of the of the cranks and other crazy stuff and we put it and the brakes of course we have a test rig for the brakes as well and we put all these numbers together and then we come up with a score for the for the for the group set is shimano durace your top rated group set at the moment uh i think it's on par with the top group sets of sram and campagnolo and one 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 very interesting test we're doing is is uh, is uh, tire testing tire testing is really fascinating and uh, this this plays a big role in our testing. We have our own methods to test rolling resistance. We have our own methods to test the grip and puncture resistance of the tires. So we do a lot of in-house testing with tires. And tires are a part of the performance equation. So if we're talking about aerodynamics and uh, tire performance, that's why we are so much into tire tire testing. And this can be really eye-opening as well. I guess, you, yeah, you'd use that data when you review the, uh, the tires as a standalone item and then so does that also factor into the uh, the bike review that the tires that can come stock is that the level of detail that the reviews would go to yeah it's both it's both we do these uh, tire tests where we compare tires and it's also part of the the overall score of the bike yeah that's a, such a good level of detail to not only just factor the tires in which is probably most reviews to say hey it comes with a gp5000 but to say it comes with a GP5000 after you've independently tested it on your own is a whole nother level. It's, that's really cool. I, I did reach out to a couple of sort of industry type people, I suppose you'd call them in Australia, and um, said that we were going to be talking to yourself and what was, what was their opinion on Tour Magazine. It's really interesting because it's quite, quite split because um, on the one hand, that, that narrative of, oh, yes, Tour, Tour Magazine. We've heard of we've heard of of bike of manufacturers and brands that specifically make their bikes or target their bikes to to perform well in your tests because they know how important the results are um, ultimately to their sales. Um, is that is that something that that you're aware of? Or, or I mean, obviously, it doesn't impact you at all. But is it 
Have you have you heard that kind of thing as well? Yeah, I'm aware of that. Yeah, sure. I mean, and it makes sense from a manufacturing point of view. I mean, as as long as you believe in the methods we're using. I mean, if you think that's rubbish what they're doing at Tour Magazine, then you shouldn't uh, you, sh- you shouldn't adopt adopt your development to meet these, these you, goals. Uh, that would be stupid. And I think the better companies they, they they do their own stuff, but they keep an eye on our method as well, and so they come up with a solution they believe in. In terms of the road bike testing, if you had unlimited time and perhaps an unlimited budget as well. Is there any other aspects of the bikes that you'd want to test or different methods you'd want to use to get a more complete picture of how fast a bike is? Of course. What, what would that involve? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, more, more dynamic measurements. Um, okay, we talked about turbulent air. That would be an issue. But it would also be an issue to look at the dynamic behavior on the of the bike on the road. We I, I occasionally did these measurements, so uh, put in accelerometers on the bike and uh, picking up signals to to compare the the, the behavior of the bikes uh, in a in a more detailed way. But this is super time consuming, and uh, yeah, to to come up with a standard for that that's quite difficult. Yeah, but I would love to do it. Yeah. Do you test your in the tunnel? With the bike computer mounted to your to the bikes? Uh, no, but it does make a difference. No. We have tested if it's, if there's a difference. There's no difference. It's 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 below the measurement resolution. Interesting. Okay. We haven't talked about wheel behavior. We have we have a special procedure to to check the wheel behavior in the tunnel. So the tunnel is you, basically you put the a bike on a scale, right? You measure the frontal drag. We, we also measure other uh, forces, but the frontal drag is important for the rider. But there's a second uh, <clears throat> scale involved, which is put between the main scale of the wind tunnel and the, and the front wheel, or the drum spinning the front wheel. And this second scale is meant to measure <clears throat> the torque uh, introduced into, into the steering system by the side winds. So we can measure the side wind behavior in the wind tunnel. How much force will you feel in the in the handlebar when you when you hit the side wind or Wow. Yeah. So this is the second measurement we do. <clears throat> and this is quite interesting because the drag numbers are quite the same now with, with the good wheels, but the uh, the behavior in side winds can be very, very different. And there we talk about uh, twice the force if the if the wheel constru- is, is not constructed very well. So the, the big difference are now in the handling, not in the drag. I didn't. Oh, that's really cool. Okay. Yeah. Is there any common trait? Because I, I, I'm so happy you said that because I, I, I feel this on the road between wheel sets. Is, is, there, is, it, is there a general rule like... The, the wider the the wheel, the wider the the better it performs in terms of how how you're affected in 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 crosswinds. Or is there any general generalization you can use there? No, I have no. What are the better performing uh, wheel sets in crosswinds? A better for performing one. Uh, the last the last surprise was uh, <laughs> a small company, a small German company called Leze. Um They have amazing fast wheels. With, with amazing uh, stability built in, and um, and they're quite cheap as well. So it's a, <laughs> it's, it's a triple win. So they had um, quite they were quite competitive drag wise, but also dealt dealt well with this um, this crosswinds. Right, right, right. Yeah. 
Are there any uh, wheels that you you think performed quite badly that are that are well known in terms of the stability in the crosswind? Yeah, the stability also depends on 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 the height of the rim. So if the if you have more sailing area, then you have higher forces. This, this is uh, the rule of thumb, and it's always true. And the funny thing is, these super deep wheels, uh, the the drag numbers are not so much better than 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 there's. There's no reason to to have uh, 80 millimeter D wheels. That's stupid to ride them, because uh, the drag coefficient is more or less the same, and you introduce a lot more side force. So, I would go for for less D wheels. Let's say you can have a real nice aero performance with 40, 45 millimeters or 50 millimeters. So no need to go any deeper in my eyes. Uh, then we talk about maybe one or two watt less drag, but uh, the sidewind behavior becomes a lot worse. Having currently owning 80 millimeter wheels, I stand by that because you couldn't easily get blown off the road and I'm about 80 kilos and I still, <laughs> if there's a bit of wind up, struggle with that. Um, that's what the MVs are quite well renowned for is that at a similar depth to other wheels, most people claim that they deal well with that, that crosswind stability. Have, have you tested in, any bikes that come with envies in terms of that sidewind? Yeah, for sure, but I don't have the numbers at hand. Uh, we should look. At, yeah, there are so many numbers, um, but yeah, there are quite many modern wheels which behave quite well in <clears throat> in the crosswinds. So it's, the latest example is not outstanding, but it's it was outstanding because these these bikes are also cheap. Huh? This makes them special. But um, there are a couple of good wheels out there. But the general rule would, would be to go with, with not so super deep wheels. There's no reason to ride them. What people thought was that there were, the wheels do make a big difference in a package. So someone looking at buying a bike and they're, they're going to get 50, uh, let's say 40 mil wheels versus 60 mil deep wheels. I mean, the common knowledge or the, well, what people thought was that the 60 mils are a lot faster. I mean, is that have you not really seen that with the modern wheels um, that you're testing, that the differences aerodynamically aren't actually that big? Do you have any numbers on the difference? Okay, okay. It's not that big, no. Yeah. Is that because the rims are wider now? Is that just an, is that perhaps an old rule of thumb from maybe 10 years ago and it's changed because the rims are wider? Or is that never correct? It depends on the overall profile. You get tire, tire and rim interaction. And if the package is good, then you get good numbers. Um, just on that sort of... But we we were chatting um, earlier to uh, one of the the guys who distribute some of the Chinese brands. Um, ha- have you have you ha- had many of those? I suppose more direct to consumer Chinese brands come through the the testing protocol and the review protocol recently, and and how have how have they performed? If there's any examples you might have. No. I don't have examples. We, we occasionally we try to 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 buy something in China, but uh, I think the 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 products uh, didn't make it. I I know you said you you just sort of collect the data and you're not in uh, you're not in control of distributing it, but like you know a website set up almost like Bicycle Rolling Resistance, but with all of the data we've just talked about. Like I would buy a membership to that in a heartbeat. Um, it would be really cool to have access to all of this sort of stuff. Yeah. I suppose the only other thing left to kind of mention was, is, is there a way people outside Germany can support the, the magazine and thus the testing? 
Yeah, good question. Uh, <laughs> right now, the only thing uh, we can offer is uh, is to, to buy the magazine, yeah, to 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 have subscription. But um, unfortunately, it's it's in German only, yeah, available. But uh, come back to our website and see what happens. Yeah? Hopefully, we have a different model at the start so at some time. Incredible, incredible resource. Um, so valuable. Like we, yeah. Anyway, we, we've talked about it, but we 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 literally go week in week out talking about all this stuff and the answers are potentially really <laughs> just at a magazine in Germany that we need access to, but that's, that's another, another story. Thanks Robert very much for your time and running us through all the, the information here. As, as Chris said, the, yeah, the testing you do is, is really great resource. So it's been really interesting to get some more detail on how you run that. So thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. <laughs> 